Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. So we had no definition of citizenship. So this is what we've been using since 1867 to uh, ensure that people sitting in the Senate are citizens. I think we should scrap the old language and simply put in uh, citizen and qualified elector of uh, uh, Canada. Uh, in fact, qualified elector of the province the senator represents. And I'll come to that issue now. Um, this is the provision in the Constitution that... Uh, applies to uh, one of the important qualifications which a senator must have, and that is, and I'll start with number four first. Um, I'm sorry, number five first. The provisions of the Canadian Constitution since 1867 have said he, there were no women at the time uh, eligible to serve, that happened in 1928, he shall be resident in the province for which he is appointed. What does that mean to you? Um, I served in the Senate. It meant to me that's where uh, I lived. That's where I paid my taxes. Uh, you know, that's, that's where I voted uh, and uh, had my health care. Um, there, there is another uh, requirement, and that is that uh, is, is three and four. I'll let you read it. Uh, in other words, you have to have a real property in the province that you represent, uh, which has value free and clear of $4,000. Uh, and if you don't have that, you, 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 you haven't met the qualifications. In my view, that can be deleted. Uh, I don't see it serving any particular purpose. If anything, it's confused some people. And uh, the only thing we need is uh, that the person be a, a resident of the province that he lives in. And if we think it's necessary, we could maybe say more about what that means. Um, the exception to the, what I've just said, and this is a, a sort of indi indication to you of why this is more complicated than it seems. In the case of owning property, the, prov the provisions that uh, relate to the province of Quebec say that you must not just own property in Quebec, but you must own it in the constituency that you're appointed from. In 1840, uh, Quebec was divided into 24 constituencies, which you see on that map to the right. Since then, Quebec has expanded considerably and changes to their borders have occurred and lots of demographic changes within Quebec have occurred, but they haven't changed the, the, the constituencies, which is fine. It's, that's the way they want to do it. So we could not do what I suggest, that is eliminate the property requirement for Quebec because it is uh, there a matter of importance tied to these constituencies. And while on that subject, I think those constituencies are a terrific idea. I think if uh, all provinces, uh, now you have a problem in terms of size, but if all provinces were broken up into constituencies, I think there's a lot of merit in doing that. Um, the other thing came up at the table is uh, how do you get fired as a senator? Um, the, uh, 
if you don't meet those the qualifications I've just said on residence, uh, then you're not entitled to sit. I'm not sure what that means in the Senate of the day. I always told you what I thought it meant. Uh, if a senator, a senator misses two consecutive sessions of Parliament, a session is usually a year, sometimes they're longer or shorter, um, they're uh, ended by a prorogation or a dissolution. If a senator misses two se consecutive sessions, then that senator's seat becomes vacant. Um, and again, I think I mentioned it already, if they're convicted of an indictable offense after the appeal process, their seat is vacant. Um, I, anyway, that had come up, and so I thought I would cover that off before I went to general questions. What do they get paid? Senators, I think, get paid 132000 uh, MPs get another thirty-five or so in addition to that. Um, uh, and they're entitled to reimbursement uh, in accordance with the rules of the House or the rules of the Senate. And, of course, the controversy we see playing out today is uh, revolves around that issue and, and did they properly claim and were they properly reimbursed for expenses and it seems it seems not um, and I don't want to get into the politics of that that, that that's being well handled by everybody else in the country um, so questions question I have a question but before I get to that <coughs> I'd like to inform people present that uh, Lucy Toth uh, died yesterday and Lucy and Frank Toth have been um, supporters of this uh, gathering for a, a long, long time. And uh, so we just offer our prayers and support to Frank and the family around uh, Lucy's passing, passing. We'll hear more about that in the paper, I'm sure. Thank you. Um, who are you? Name. Who am, who am I? That's sometimes a question. Uh, uh, Terry Shillington. Um, Dan, thank you for your presentation and your passion with which you deliver it. Uh, I belong to that somewhat scruffy group that uh, wonders about the abolition of the whole business. And uh, I wonder if you could, we had quite some lively discussion around my, this question I'm going to pose at our table. Uh, what, practically, what has the, has the Senate contributed to Canadian life? Uh, and I ask that knowing that the province is managed quite nicely without an upper chamber. Uh, so I wonder if you'd deal with that. Sure. And that's a fair question, uh, not one that I have time to fully answer. Uh, but I think the, the Canadian Senate has filled an important role uh, and continues to fill an important role in terms of uh, the uh, work that it does as a revising body. All legislation to become law must be passed by both the House and the Senate. And the Senate will uh, typically do very good work uh, in that respect in terms of legislation that is controversial, where there are still people who want to be heard and have their opinions taken into consideration before a bill is passed. And the Senate will often attempt to amend a bill under those circumstances. Uh, and it has the power to, and it has the power to insist on its amendment, in which case the bill would die. It doesn't do that because it doesn't have the democratic legitimacy to do that. It also fills a very important role in terms of the public policy work that it does. Some of it uh, is, is not paid good attention to, but a lot of it is. Um, the, um, uh, I don't know, the, the famous ones, well, recently excellent work. We were just talking to Lisa on uh, rural poverty, the Social Affairs Committee, uh, the uh, Energy, the Environment, and Natural Resources Committee did an excellent report on energy policy, which we don't have and recommended we do have. Uh, my colleague, uh, uh, one of my colleagues did a super study on, 
on uh, drugs and uh, the use of non-addictive drugs, and uh, it was like 700 pages long, an excellent uh, policy study on uh, where we are failing on the supply-demand side of uh, that, that problem. Um, uh, Michael Kirby's study on mental health has produced changes. He actually left the Senate to become chief commissioner of a group that did work on mental health. So legislation uh, studies and the weakest uh, but nonetheless uh, still important function that the Senate is supposed to fill is, is one of regional representation. The, um, our six senators in Alberta go to their respective caucuses and speak for us. And those additional voices on our behalf, I think, are, 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 are important. And they have an important uh, opportunity to bring forward issues that are of particular importance. So I think it serves a, a good purpose. The, 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 the other thing on that regional representation count is that Brad Wall says, I don't think we need a bicameral system. We don't have one in Saskatchewan. We do just fine. They've got a couple million people, maybe a few less. Uh, but we've got 34. Uh, we've got regions which are deeply divided on many issues, Atlantic, Quebec, Ontario, the West, and even within the West, I see BC and Alberta at one another's, not throat, but have serious issues to resolve. And I think uh, uh, a bicameral system is one of the ways that we uh, are best able to try to address some of the issues that arise out of those complications. Um, next question. My name is Tad Mitsui, and thank you very much for your presentation. I have a very soft spot on Senate. If you know the history, in 1948 and 49, Senate stopped the deportation of Japanese Canadians against House of Commons bill that was passed and already 3,000 Japanese Canadians were shipped out of Canada. It worked. And uh, I will speak anybody against uh, preserving the Senate only on that point, uh, because of that point. Senate worked. Why did it work in 1948? You know, I wish I had uh, an answer uh, in the sense that I'm not familiar with the Senate's specific role in the case of the internment and, uh, and treatment of uh, confiscation of property and treatment of, uh, of Japanese Canadians uh, during and uh, immediately post-World War II. Um, we have an official apology. We have some compensation. I know it's not as meaningful as as it would be for that never to have happened, but it did happen. And I'm all, I wish I'd had that information and I would have used it in the answer, what use is a Senate. Uh, the second legislative chamber, uh, particularly uh, one that has the regional representation role, but also, uh, as it's turned out, it's not specified as a Senate role, but it has greater diversity in its membership. Uh, probably because it's an appointed body and, it's, and, and, you're, and you're able to do that. It has a higher percentage of, of women than you have in the House. It represents minorities within the country, First Nations and other minorities. And uh, so I like to think that that might have had something to do with the good work that it did in 1948 that uh, you said and that, um, like you, I'm very proud of. 
Next question. Next question. <laughs> My name is Van Christou. Uh, thank you, uh, Senator, very much for being here and for uh, uh, addressing uh, an, an interesting uh, uh, issue that we have here in Canada. Um, I didn't notice anywhere in the uh, in, in the uh, material that you presented uh, any me method for judging the condition of, of senators uh, and how able they are to fulfill their duties uh, during the time there. Uh, can you address yourself to that, please? Yeah, it's um, unfortunately something that 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 happens, uh, and in particular in this community, or you've seen it happen. Your famous Senator Fairburn has left for un the unfortunate reason of, of being a victim of dementia. There are others, Keith Davey, uh, same thing, uh, uh, several in the House, uh, and some others that I could probably re find, but I, they don't come immediately to mind. There is no formal uh, provision in the Constitution now, and it's one of the things that should be considered. Uh, but I guess at this point, uh, uh, one relies on the uh, good judgment of the individual who is who's unfortunately affected that way, as well as those that support that individual. And uh, there is a related issue, however, of, uh, uh, well, I, I, you know, I, you know, it's very hard to define constitutionally the triggers that would prompt uh, action in that, in that event. Um, a lot of senators started out not making much of a contribution, never do, not for that reason. Uh, so we don't have a way of distinguishing between individuals. So that's the best answer I can give you. Next question. Bev Mundell-Atherstone, thank you very much for your talk. It's good for us to be able to air these concerns. Uh, you talked about <clears throat> part of the good thing about the Senate was regional representation. Uh, in contrast to the House of Commons or the House of Representatives, which is rep by pop. But we find ourselves in a situation where the official opposition, the NDP, has no senators. And so um, I have a solution. Since you talked about Australia and Japan in terms of their senates, I wondered why you didn't talk about the U.S. because the U.S. Senate... Uh, the senators serve for six years. Uh, One-third are elected every two years. And so that means at a time like this, when we're all pretty upset with our government, instead of electing a majority conservative part, um, Senate, we, we would have an opportunity to fill in one-third the seats with some of the other parties. Um, I guess what has happened in the U.S. that has caused a lot of stalemate in government, particularly in the House, is that they took away the top of the uh, ceiling on the amount that people in either the House or the Senate could spend on elections. So that would be another issue. Anyway, so my, my question is, what about having a representative Senate that's not rep by pop, it's more um, looking at some of these other, other things that you've talked about, and maybe we could also look at the whole question of um, proportional representation for uh, particular parties so that that's more evenly distributed. 
have it elected, but elected maybe every two years and maybe a six-year term. Yeah, a very uh, good question, and and uh, and uh, the answer that it begs is one that you often hear, and that is that's why we should have an elected Senate with terms that correspond to time frames that ensure that the Senate uh, has uh, opportunities to change in keeping with the voting preferences of the people of Canada. And uh, I've left a paper uh, which gives you the sort of full load of things that I think should be done, but my own view is not dissimilar to the one you expressed, which is that the Australian model of a uh, Senate with fixed terms uh, uh, elected by a single transferable vote, which is a form of proportional uh, representation, um, is a good model for us to start our discussion with. And uh, and I and I so I, I I guess I'm saying I agree with you, and uh, it's an argument for for an elected Senate uh, that comes to its position of responsibility in the way that you've suggested uh, is, is, is the way you think it should go. So uh, now, having said that, there are other models, uh, including abolition. All of that should be on the table, uh, and we should have a full and fair discussion of the various options. The one you just more or less described is one I also have a preference for. The, the, just in the end, too, the, there's some merit in, in a mixed hybrid as well in terms of ensuring something the Senate does well now, and that is represent the diversity of Canada, which you can't count on through the electoral process. So I think there are ways, maybe, I think there are ways that certainly should be explored of doing a bit of both or a lot of both. Next question. Hi, thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Rena Was. Um, I think what Canadians are pretty upset about, and me included, of course, is um, the, you know, the sense of entitlement that these senators have. I mean, they get in, they have the privilege of representing us, and then when a scandal happens, I mean, there's always, I, I look at it like temptations all around us, but not everyone bites. Well, we've got four of them, you know, the... Patrick Brasseau's, um, pa uh, Mike Duffy, there's a couple others. And they hang on like barnacles. We cannot get rid of them. So we need a shake-up. But what's it going to take for us to, I mean, especially when most of them that are sitting around the table are conservatives and we've got a conservative government. I mean, we're in a catch-22. And then a part B to my question is um, Patrick Bra Brasseau, what I found very disheartening was that he has not stepped down, even in face of criminal charges, like, I don't know if they're criminal charges, but charges of domestic violence. I mean, when domestic violence is in the picture, to me, that should be an automatic removal of that senator. The, he has, ups like, it's a disruption of a family system, and we should value family systems. Thanks. Yeah, I think your frustration is, is widely shared. Um, I did. I won't repeat the the, uh, the the things that will cause a senator's seat to be be vacant. Um, all of which, by the way, and I didn't mention this, have to be decided by the Senate itself, uh, which um, uh, is an unusual approach. But uh, 
uh, anyway, uh, I don't have an answer. Mr. Brazo was, was charged not with an indictable offense, but summary conviction offense, which doesn't rise to the level uh, that uh, 1867 or even the one I proposed would cause the senator's seat to become vacant. I think that the uh, notorious crime uh, is not, a, not an area either, but it might be that uh, breach of the public trust could be added to indictable offense as a reason for a senator uh, being disqualified. I'm not sure whether family violence uh, on its own is enough to do that, but uh, in my own mind, I guess it would be, but I'm not sure what the objective standard should be for that. Anyway, um, it's a tough question, and uh, bad behavior uh, has to rise to a certain level to, to, uh, to uh, end the term of that person who's committed the bad behavior. And I've tried to describe... And my views on that and what it is, and it was, uh, it was expressed in 1867 as well. Next question. Hi, my name is Henning Mundel. <clears throat> you just talked about or just mentioned about um, reasons for disqualifying senators. What about the other side? What qualifies a senator other than that he's a citizen and presumably a resident of the area in which he uh, is to represent and why is that not vetted? But otherwise, what, uh, what qualifies a senator to become a senator? I was going to make a facetious comment. Nobody knows. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, the prime minister, the, 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 the Senate appointments are the, 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 the prerogative of the prime minister. They are not order and council appointments. They don't go, go through cabinet. Uh, in the Canadian constitutional structure, the Prime Minister alone decides. Now, he'll take advice from a, an appointments group that vet the people who are going into office and so on. And, you know, sometimes you make a mistake. Uh, uh, sometimes you make too many, and that doesn't look good. But um, there is nothing in the Constitution now. That would be an argument, however for the Senate Appointments Commission that I said I think should be included and could be included without the necessity of going to the province for approval and could be structured along the lines that the United Kingdom has, has structured the Lord's Appointments Commission. Good idea, and I think that would address most of what it is that you, you are concerned about. Next question. Before the next question, uh, ask uh, this question. Could you please... Uh, Speak English, uh, just <laughs> do away with your Scottish accent and... <laughs> I can't help it. Oh, that was a low blow, I think. Douglas Mitchell. <laughs> I did hear you. I, I, I understand Scottish. <laughs> okay, good, good. I don't speak Gaelic. Uh, I did hear you mention the phrase which we all think of as the chamber of sober second thoughts. I certainly would hate to see us disband the Senate, but as you have stated clearly, there is need for substantial reform in a number of areas, and unless we achieve that, uh, there's going to continue to be concern about the future of the Senate. Could you comment? Um, I, I let, I'll let that stand. I think you're quite right. Um, I, um, if there's time, I'll make a comment on it. But I have another question. Yes. 
Uh, my name is Mary Shillington. Thanks for being here. Um, a couple of other things that uh, you could include in the, in addition to residency uh, and and changing the the uh, gender of the potential senators. Uh, as somebody at our table suggested where people have their hairdresser would be also a place of, <laughs> of <laughs> deciding where, where the residence is. Uh, uh, but I won't a, ask you to explain that to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, could, it could be a barber, too. So, um, uh, 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 A comment, uh, going back to Terry Shillington's question about uh, what does the Senate do, part of the issue, I think, is that how many of us really ever hear about what the Senate does? We hear about what they don't do, like not... Uh, overclaiming their bills and so on, uh, or what they do in, the, in a negative way, but we don't really hear very much. So, what is the, how is that information put out, or how could it be put out in a better way so that we felt uh, we were getting a bang for our bucks, which is costing us a considerable amount of money? Excellent point. Um, the Senate has, uh, in the last 10, 15 years, been more proactive on that in that its committee hearings are now uh, broadcast on CPAC. Uh, interestingly enough, proceedings in the Senate chamber are not tele televised, and which makes it, I think, the only legislative body in the country, including city councils, that don't televise their proceedings. So you might mention that to your senator, senator why don't you, as I will myself, now that I'm no longer one, but you know, a number of us tried to get that uh, get that. Not, not that many people would watch it. Uh, they might, they might not, but at least it would be there for those who want to. So the Senate could do a lot more and be much more proactive in extending, you know, providing extension to what it is that it that it does. Uh, it costs money, which is a, an issue, uh, but uh, I agree with you. They should do more to be visible and uh, to justify what it is that they're there to do, and, 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 they, and they should explain it to us. I thought maybe end with um, those uh, some words of cheer for the abolitionists, which, of which I'm not one. I was, and I'll end with this, Nude. Uh, I was reading the, the terms of the reference that uh, the government has made to the Supreme Court on what uh, the... Uh, what, what, what you know? What, what are what are the limits to the things that can be done uh, by way of changing the Senate? And uh, uh, it's not very long, but on the question of uh, uh, what can be done in terms of abolition, the question that the government asks the court on on abolition are. Uh, can an amendment to the Constitution of Canada to abolish the Senate be accompanied by, uh, accomplished by the general amending procedure? That's the seven out of ten, uh, representing fifty seven out of ten provinces, fifty percent of the population. Best view, as far as I know, is no, because it would requ require unanimity in the same way as getting changing the court, Supreme Court, getting rid of the Queen, things like that require unanimity. Uh, that's my interpretation. I won't get into the detail. But then they go on. By inserting a separate provision stating that the Senate is to be abolished as of a certain date, 
as an amendment to the Constitution Act 1867 or as a separate provision that is outside of the Constitution Act 1867 to 1982, but it, that is still part of the Constitution of Canada. In other words, can, they, can we create a parallel Constitution that abolishes the Senate so we don't have to worry about the restrictions in the one that exists? Next one, by amending or repealing some or all of the references to the Senate in the Constitution of Canada. In other words, leave it there, but there's no reference to a Senate. Could we get rid of it by doing that? By abolishing the powers of the Senate and eliminating the representation of provinces pursuant to Section 42.1b and C of the Constitution. In other words, could we just take all of its power away and the reference to the provinces? Um, Anyway, the final question is of heartening to those of us who think that, uh, that uh, the Senate should stay. If the general amending procedure in Section 38 of the Constitution Act 1982 is not sufficient to abolish the Senate, does the unanimous consent provision set out in Section 41 of the Constitution Act 1982 apply? I say yes. But anyway, the government of the day has a very strong interest in the various ways by which the Senate might be abolished. So, so it's obviously on the table as far as they're concerned, and, uh, and, uh, and that's fair. Uh, uh, and I will end with uh, uh, a thank you. Uh, you've been a great audience. I've enjoyed uh, uh, our discussions at the table and some of the discussions I had beforehand. Uh, keep up uh, your excellent tradition of uh, focusing on and learning uh, more about public policy in our wonderful country. Thank you.